0: is here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin.
1: Hello everybody, Mark Levin here. Our number 8 excuse me 8773813811877381 3811. You know, we've reached a point in this country where the Democrat Party really is a party of obstructionism, a post-constitutional party, a party of socialism, and a party of race-baiting and tribalism. It is balkanization. I've spent the better part of an hour watching the hearings that are not on now, the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, and the nomination of Mike Pompeo to be Secretary of State. This man was a member of the House of Representatives in good standing. He was a small businessman before that. He served in the United States Army. He graduated at the top of his class at West Point. He went to Harvard Law School and was the editor of the Law Review. It doesn't get any better than this. It doesn't get any better than this. He's been an outstanding director of the CIA. As director of the CIA, had a secret meeting with Kim Jong-un, which apparently went well. There's no scandal surrounding this man. None. No ethics issues surrounding this man. He's an American story. Coming out of Kansas. And yet in this committee, this Senate Foreign Relations Committee, which has 21 members, Isaacson, the senator from Georgia, was not there. He was giving a eulogy for his best, best friend's death and his funeral. So it was 10 to 10. All Republicans voted yes, including Rand Paul. All Democrats voted no. Isaacson had given his, his proxy vote to the chairman, Corker, who voted aye for him, as he requested, but they have a rule in the committee. that in order for a nomination of this kind to have a majority vote, the members have to be present. This will be the first time in modern history a Secretary of State nominee will go to the Senate floor not having been voted positively out of this committee. John Kerry was voted out of the committee despite his baggage Hillary Clinton was voted out of the committee despite her baggage. They received over 90 votes on the Senate floor. The hate for Donald Trump is so deep that the Democrats are prepared to drag this country down in order to build themselves up. I've never seen anything like this in my life. And nobody else has either. The problems that are facing this country with Iran, with North Korea, with China, with Russia, in our own hemisphere, and to listen to these Democrats, one after another, come up with an excuse. Cardin of Maryland. Irrational. Kane of Virginia. He's upset over climate change. And Menendez. A man who barely escaped conviction imprisoned time, sitting there arrogantly as the ranking Democrat on the committee. I listened to their arguments, and then I realized this is a party that celebrated Ted Kennedy, a killer. I'll say it. This is a party that celebrated Bill Clinton, a rapist. This is a party that celebrated Barack Obama, still does, a man who befriended domestic terrorists who used violence against this country. And yet they find Mike Pompeo unacceptable. Donald Trump has not done a damn thing to harm this country. Nothing. He loves this country. They may not like the way he speaks. They may not like the way he defends himself and his friends. They may not like the way he tweets. But he's never done anything that Ted Kennedy did. Or Bill Clinton did. Or Barack Obama did. To attempt to deny a president is nominee for Secretary of State, the oldest cabinet position. Makes me call into question, and I'm going to tell you this quite seriously, what is the purpose of the United States Senate? Once the 17th Amendment was adopted and senators were elected directly, as opposed to from state legislatures, what is the purpose of the United States Senate? They say it's the most deliberative body. It's not the most deliberative body. They don't debate amendments to bills. They didn't even debate the spending bill six weeks ago, five weeks ago. The United States Senate has no purpose. Since the 17th Amendment, the initial purpose of the United States Senate was to represent the views of the states. The framers of the Constitution set up this bicameral body. The House of Representatives, directly elected every two years, every member. There's your democracy. And the United States Senate, to represent the priorities of the states. Today, these senators go in any direction they want to. Most of them spend their time in the Senate, positioning themselves for higher office, president or vice president. Others decide to make a career of it and stay there 30, 40 years. None of this would be taking place if the states could function through the Congress as was intended by the framers. So the states have no say in the federal government or federal legislation. No say. And the Senate is the most bizarre institution of any institution of governance. It doesn't really have a purpose, in my view. Now, as for the left, what does all this mean? I'll tell you what it means. You know, their great hero, Hegel, their great hero, Hegel, who had an enormous influence on Marx, he said, all things are contradictory in themselves. Then in the end, there's, there's perfection, if you will. All things are contradictory in themselves. Now, folks, as a practical matter, what that means is no amount of rational argumentation can ever win the day with the left. It can't. Because rational argumentation and criticism is rejected. It's just rejected. And so the left's own philosophy, or I should say ideology, is an ideology that says they can be contradictory, events can be contradictory, it's the end that matters, a.k.a. the ends justify the means. So it's perfectly fine if they back a killer like Ted Kennedy. Perfectly fine if they back a rapist like Bill Clinton. Perfectly fine if they back a man for president who befriended domestic terrorists. These are contradictions that they're willing to live with and you must live with so we can get to the greater purpose. So their ideology is constantly reinforced. Is this making sense? I hope it is. Their ideology is constantly reinforced. The filibuster rule isn't there to protect the minority viewpoint, as far as the Democrats are concerned, despite their propaganda. The filibuster rule is there to be abused. Use it when it helps you. Kill it when it doesn't help you. Bipartisanship and voting for a Secretary of State nominee is not to be embraced unless it helps your nominee, and it's to be rejected if it hurts the other party's nominee. The Electoral College is a great thing, as long as your person's elected president and vice president, but if the other guy is elected president and vice president, the Electoral College needs to go. Federalism is to be rejected, because centralization is preferred, except when it comes to sanctuary cities and other ways to undermine and usurp the power of a Republican president and a Republican Congress. These contradictions are to be expected. These contradictions are okay, you see. And there's no amount of rational argument or criticism that will make a difference because it's all intended to reinforce their ideology and bring us to paradise. Their paradise, which I haven't quite explained yet. So we have a man in Mike Pompeo. I've never met the man. I've never spoken to him in my life. So what? I never spoke to Abraham Lincoln either. I look at this guy. He's well qualified to be Secretary of State. But they don't want him to be Secretary of State. They want to do maximum damage to a president who they reject. Now, why do they reject this president? Do they really reject him because of the way he talks? Do they really reject him Because they're worried about women (laughs) when their party is never worried about women when you look at the Kennedys and so forth. Do they really reject him over climate change? No. They reject Trump for two reasons. He stopped Obama's third term by defeating Hillary Clinton. And they felt they were on the precipice of great things, turning America into into France, to Germany, to the U.K., and he stopped it by his election. And he actually is more conservative than many of the other Republicans he ran against. Not in every way, that's for sure, but in many ways. But in many ways. So you're seeing this play out, the ideology of the progressive. Progressive. You're seeing it play out. They don't care about American traditions, let alone Senate traditions. So what? The Republicans voted for John Kerry and Hillary Clinton to be Secretary of State. So what? That doesn't bind them. They'll do whatever they want. And next time around, they'll admonish the Republicans to vote for whomever the Democrat president nominates. Because, you see, that was just different during the Trump presidency. Just different. Now it's, it's okay to be bipartisan. And many Republicans will go along with them because they're foolish. They don't even comprehend what's going on around them. That this is a battle, a real battle for the future of this country. It's a disgrace to watch Menendez and Kane and Merkel or Murky, whatever the hell his name is, from Oregon. And Cardin, and to listen to these people, to watch them. I have dripping contempt for them. I have fury for them. They do not deal in goodwill. They don't know what goodwill is. I'll be right back.
2: Much love,
1: so-called committee, uh, the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. And the chairman is Bob Corker. He did a pretty good job of running the committee today. And he emphasizes how they're bipartisan in nature. Okay. Now, in Tennessee, his home state, Bob Corker, he refuses to endorse the Republican running for the Senate because he's friends with the former Democrat governor who's running for the Senate. And herein lies part of the problem, doesn't it? That is, he sees what took place in his own committee, and yet he doesn't even embrace the big picture. He doesn't digest the big picture of what's taking place around him. And what's taking place around him You would replace a Republican with a Democrat. And this sort of thing would continue. You see, you gotta gotta envy the base of the Democrat Party, the real kook, hard-left, radical base of the Democrat Party. They control that party. They control that party. The conservative base of the Republican Party is treated like... uh, Well, like what? A distant relative. Embraced when needed, but rejected at all other times. So the Republican Party really doesn't stand for a hell of a lot. The Democrat Party stands with its kook base. Stands with its kook base. But to watch these Democrats operate on the Senate Foreign Affairs Committee, and I don't know if many of you saw it at the time they're not particularly bright they're not particularly articulate they're your typical leftists who you bump into if they're family members or in the office or in the workplace wherever you are they have their, uh, their little talking points that they click off but it doesn't make any sense but it doesn't matter either because of what I said earlier. These people are about power. That's all they're about. They're about power. It really doesn't matter if they said something yesterday and changed their opinion today. And it's not out of uh, thoughtfulness and, and contemplation. It's uh, out of opportunity. Opportunism. I'll be right back.
3: Powerful, conservative voice. The Mark Levin Show. Dial in now. 877-381-3811. Let me update this.
1: So near the end of the hearing in the Senate, on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, even though it was eleven ten, the Republican wasn't President Isaacson from Georgia, meaning it was ten ten in order to get the nomination to the floor uh, with a positive ruling, Corker then asks the Democrats, how about a voice vote to get Pompeo to the floor of the Senate? It turns out that Chris Coons, the senator from Delaware, voted present given the Republicans 10, 9 to 1. So Pompeo was voted out with a quote-unquote positive recommendation. And he was going to win on the floor of the Senate anyway because Rand Paul said that he will vote for him and did in the committee. And three Democrats, Heikamp, uh Donnelly, And Manchin have all said that they will vote for him. So he will be the next Secretary of State. But I want you to understand something. Many of the nominees in the past have won with no negative votes. 94 to 0, 94 to 0. Tillerson, who I was no fan of, he only got 56 votes. Because the Democrats stood against him. So they don't want Tillerson, or didn't, Or Pompeo. They have blocked scores of this president's nominees. He has the right to presidential appointments in order to carry out his mission. But the Democrats in the Senate say no. So they've abused this constitutional power as they reject so much of the Constitution. And they bob and weave. The Constitution was written by and adopted by and ratified by slaveholders. But we'll wave it around when it helps us. And what doesn't help us, we will reject it. Or we'll just simply rewrite it. Because again, in the end, all that matters is us, meaning the Democrats. All that matters is power. Because we are morally superior to anybody who would Dare to disagree with us, who would deign to have a different viewpoint. Because we are the ones who seek to bring paradise. We are the ones who are smart enough to rearrange society. We are the ones who will do this. And everything in front of us is backwards. Everything in front of us must be overcome. This was Hegel, this was Marx. So when people say I've never seen it as divided as this, neither have I. It is because the Democrats are full-throated Hegel, full-throated radical progressives now. Americanism, the Declaration of Independence and its principles, the Constitutions and its limitations, only matter to the extent that they can use them to advance themselves and their power; otherwise, they have no consequence whatsoever. Not a word about Pompeo. He's nobody to them. They need to bulldoze over him. They'll bulldoze over him. Remember the Jeff Sessions hearings? Forget about what you think of Jeff Sessions. I still think he's a wonderful man. I just think it's time that he move along, but that's different. Here's a colleague of theirs for what? Over two decades? A colleague of theirs. They turned on him in a nanosecond. It didn't matter that they were friends with him the day before. Look at Jim Comey. FBI director. They hated Jim Comey. If Obama had fired Jim Comey, they would have had a ticker tape parade for Obama. But when Donald Trump fires him, they turn on a dime. They turn within nanoseconds to use it to go after Trump to claim he's obstructing justice, that he's got a cover-up in order to avoid a real investigation on collusion. They don't care how many montages we play of what a bunch of loathsome hypocrites they are. It doesn't matter to them. And by the way, it doesn't matter to their supporters. We hear time and time again, we are put down because they tell us no matter what Trump does, His supporters won't flinch. First of all, that's not true. But secondly, let's turn the tables for a moment. No matter what these Democrats do, their supporters never flinch. They never flinch. It doesn't matter. And their supporters, their base, they're never talked about. They're never put down. They're never exposed as the rabble, the malcontents, the miscreants that they are. Never. Certainly not by the Praetorian Guard media, which is of the same mindset. So the Democrats voting against Pompeo, they brought up the Iraq war, climate change, his comments during a campaign uh, that he doesn't believe in diplomacy. He's anti-diplomacy. This is what the idiot Tim Kaine said. The guys over there... Talking to uh, Un. And he's anti-diplomacy. What he's anti is appeasement. The Iran deal is not a litmus test. And yet they use it as a litmus test. Oh, you oppose the Iran deal? We can't vote for you. I wasn't planning on focusing on this. I wasn't even planning on getting into it much. But watching it, it gives us a larger context. It gives us a lesson that we need, to, we need to understand. I don't do hit and run on this show. They would rather, listen to me, they would rather American foreign policy fail than President Trump succeed. And that is the truth. The absolute truth. Sarah Huckabee Sanders on Fox and Friends today. Cut five. Go.
4: We certainly hope that uh, some members will change their minds. Look, at some point, Democrats have to decide whether they love this country more than they hate this president. And they have to decide. First of all,
1: they don't. They don't love this country more than they hate this president. As a matter of fact, they don't love this country more than they love themselves. Go ahead.
4: The security and the diplomacy of our country ahead of their own political games, and we're very hopeful that they will. Uh, Mike Pompeo is a highly qualified individual, top of his class at Harvard, first in his class at West Point. He's been an impeccable CIA director. He's done a great job. Do you
1: realize what it is to be first in your class at West Point? Isn't that amazing? In Harvard Law Review, how smart and intelligent this man is? How patriotic this man is? You know, we've reached a point in this country, ladies and gentlemen, where we should be thankful that men and women of this caliber step up and are willing to serve in these positions. The crap they take. People had to destroy them. To smear them to try and find a hook here and there. It's a very dangerous thing to, to poke your head up of the foxhole these days. Very dangerous. Go ahead.
4: Confirmed there. And if you just look at history, the past secretary of states have been confirmed unanimously uh, and Republicans have come on board and supported Hillary Clinton, John Kerry, people we know who they didn't necessarily agree with on the political spectrum, but they knew how important this position was. and they they, they did not they
1: don't they don't understand. The Democrats don't care. Hypocrisy is part of the game. Contradictions are part of the game changing positions for tactical reasons. That's part of the game. Moreover, it's part of their their ideological uh, mindset. It doesn't matter to them as long as they get to where they want to go. None of this matters to them. As I say, if North Korea would quote-unquote succeed and it would cost Donald Trump his presidency next time around they would be thrilled they would be thrilled that's the truth all right let's take a call see what you're thinking here Jim Salt Lake City Sirius Satellite how are you
3: fine sir thank you very much for taking my call it's an honor and a privilege thank you Um, you know I well, you say they hate Trump, you know, they don't hate Trump. What they hate more than anything is their fear of Trump. Let's face it. He got elected when they didn't want him, and now he is, he is a threat to their base, a threat to their income, a threat to their power, and any force.
1: I don't think he is.
3: You don't think he is? Well,
1: how, is he a, how is he a threat to their base? Um, their base not, isn't threatened by him. Their base is filled with a bunch of knuckleheads.
3: Well, you know he's gonna clean the swamp. That's the whole thing.
1: But he's not gonna clean the swamp. One man can't clean the swamp. He'll try and clean some of the swamp. And in fact, in some instances he funded the the swamp when he signed that spending bill. I really don't think that's it. Well, I'm I think they hate him. He wasn't supposed to win. They're furious that he won. He's doing some very solidly conservative things. I said Some things he's not doing. See, I'm not one of these pom-pom guys. That spending bill was a disaster. It was bigger than anything Obama ever dreamed of, and it funded these massive departments and agencies and these left-wing nonprofit groups and Planned Parenthood like nobody can possibly believe. Now, you can't drain the swamp when you're funding uh, uh, things like that.
3: Well, I see your point there, but you know, at the same time, on another side of that coin, if you have any force any force that can duly eliminate a president, a duly elected president because he did not it wasn't their choice
1: I agree with that really no I agree with that I agree with that He, uh, they wanted their third term of Obama and uh, and they didn't get it and so uh, they got some things they want they got the spending bill among other things and they've blocked the wall but, but a lot of this is Republican capitulation in the Congress too but that said, they really hate him because they they were on a trajectory. They really felt that they had things gone their way, that Hillary would have been the Obama third term. This guy was never supposed to win. How the hell could he win? I think the other thing he's done, Jim, is he's he's exposed the media like nobody else could.
3: Well, that too. So, you know, again, what you're going to look at here is, you know, now I'm hearing all of this the blue wave in November, the blue wave in November. And it's like the media never really got it. Nobody really, I would say nobody generally, and forgive me, but people like myself never followed the media back in last November. You know, and they said Trump's not going to. Well, there might be
1: a blue wave. We don't know.
3: I don't believe there will be. I I hope
1: you're right, but it's not a matter of belief. We're about to find out in about six or eight months. There was a blue wave in Virginia. That I can tell you.
3: I don't think it's going to be a national thing.
1: I hope you're right. But there's no point speculating. I hope you're right. All right. Let me uh, let me. We'll come right back. We'll be right back. Mark
2: lovin.
1: I like this phrase, drain the swamp, drain the swamp, drain the swamp. I don't like it. We need to shrink the size of government. That is how you drain the swamp. And we're not shrinking the size of government. Why aren't we shrinking the size of government? The only way to quote-unquote drain the swamp is to shrink the size of government. You know, uh, know, uh, Former President George H.W. Bush has been hospitalized. That's all I know. I don't know anything else. I watched the Barbara Bush funeral on TV it was It was upsetting to be honest. I served in the Reagan administration. President Reagan's gone. Mrs. Reagan's gone. Mrs. Bush is gone. Anyway, George H.W. Bush has been hospitalized. You know, a hardship case or honest mistake doesn't matter to the IRS. When you owe back taxes or haven't filed tax returns in quite some time, they're coming for you. Like with Rhonda. Didn't matter that she's a single mom and a nurse living paycheck to paycheck. They don't care. Didn't matter that the reason she owed thousands of back taxes was that her ex said he'd file their tax returns, but he didn't. The IRS was aggressively pursuing Rhonda garnishing her wages, and Rhonda was trapped in what she thought was a no-win situation. Now, If you can relate to Rhonda, you need to call Optima Tax Relief. Optima knows that behind every tax problem are honest, hardworking people, people with families, homes, savings, and paychecks that need protection, which is how they've resolved over half a billion dollars in tax debt for their clients, and they're A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. Call Optima Tax Relief, here's the number, 800-499-6300, 800-499-6300, that's 800-499-6300. Don't put it off anymore, and stop stressing out. These are the best guys and gals, they're pros, they know what they're doing. Call Optima Tax Relief. Cody, Boston, Massachusetts, on the Mark Levin app, how are you?
5: Hi Mark, it's an honor to talk to you. Thank you. I, I just I can't stand the way Mike Pompeo was being treated. He's a Tea Party conservative that this country needs. And I don't think it's fair that you know liberals are smearing and lying about him. Yeah.
1: Well, they don't care if they think it's, if you think it's fair or not. They're pretty brutal. And now you're from Boston, right?
5: Yeah. Oh yeah, it's very liberal here. I'm, the way I'm treated, I can't even wear a crump hat. It's very you know upsetting. And I'm a huge crump supporter. So.
1: By, by the way, you're a Boston Celtics supporter.
5: Yeah, I like the Celtics,
1: yep. How are they doing?
5: They're doing okay. I, I haven't checked on it yet, but I hopefully hopefully they win this year. I don't know.
1: Well, they're not, they haven't won yet. I mean, the, the playoffs just started. You remember the old days when the uh, Celtics used to play the 76ers from Philly? Yep, yep, yep. Russell well, and I'm, Chamberlain? I'm, yeah. Remember those yeah, days? Well,
5: I'm t- yeah, well, yeah, I'm almost 29, so.
1: Well, then you don't remember those days.
5: Oh, no. I remember Larry Bird and that kind of stuff. but
1: Yeah, well, that's uh, yeah. okay. Anyway, my friend, uh, you're right on. Thank you for your call. Betty Maryland the great W M A L go
5: Thank you Mark uh, like you I am disgusted and furious over this treatment of Mike Pompeo and like your line and Sarah Sanders line says that their, their hatred for the president is greater than their love for our country. And I'm going to call my so-called Senator Ben Cardin, and I'm going to use the word shame on you, Ben Cardin, and I'm going to bring up a couple names like Teddy Kennedy with vehicular manslaughter and other things, and how the Republicans have supported President Obama's nominees. Uh, Like you, I've just never seen such vitriol for a president. It's pure hatred. And let me just ask you real quickly, do you think on the full full Senate floor, do you think he will be approved. Yes,
1: he's going to be, because three Democrats and all the Republicans are voting for him. But that's, you know, by the skin of your teeth. It ought to be, you know, 80, 90 votes. But you see, Cardin is a a complete fraud. Cardin pretends he's sort of this thoughtful, melancholy sometimes, moderate Democrat, and oh, woe is me, I don't want to do this. Cardin's a bomb thrower. He just pretends that he's not. And you know, when they come out of these one party states... There's nothing to stop him. Look at this Kamala Harris. Radical left-wing kook. Radical left-wing kook. Uh, Anyway, thank you, Betty. Still worth calling him, trust me, just to get it off your chest. I'll be right back. Horrific terrorist attack in Toronto, as you've no doubt heard by now. And the initial reports were maybe one person dead and so forth. Nine people murdered. Nine. Sixteen injured, so that number nine could go up in a white van. No gun, no rifle, in a white van. And this is becoming more frequent, isn't it? And uh, the mass murder plowed into the people. He's driving down the street, swerving to make sure he could hit as many as possible, and he hit a lot. And there were witnesses, obviously. Here's what Nick Sanka said, a witness uh, to uh, Global News. Cut 13, go.
6: From what I saw, um, a truck-ish from Young and Finch. They came. He was coming this way. And from what I heard, one person at Young and Finch, two people at that corner over there and three people here were run over.
7: What did you see?
6: Uh, like, it was all in shock. I was studying and all of a sudden I see the truck just running through. I get up and, like, by the time I come here, I saw of with blood trill and... All that already did you see people jumping out of the way did it happen extremely quickly uh yeah it was pretty quick he was definitely speeding like he did seem to have control over what he was doing but like so it wasn't some sort of impairment where he was swerving or something but just straight through and he managed to make a perfect turn at that corner there as well was Tell it do you know the color of the vehicle no it was too quick for me to actually see license plate and color wise it was too much of a fat flash
4: and a truck or a van truck yeah. And you saw them just swerving onto the sidewalk? Were they yeah. on the sidewalk? They were
6: already on the sidewalk, and they were just going, and then he turned right at the corner. I saw people, like, jumping out of the way. Unfortunately, uh, three people here that I saw seen with my own eyes. You they, saw people get hit? Yeah. Here on the other side, that I think I think they just uh, removed them. Or, But, yeah, like, the people there, by the time I came outside, he just went
7: where, past them. Where were you studying?
6: Oh, I was in the Starbucks over there.
7: And
6: how? And, and you said, did you hear anything, any screaming? or? Uh, yeah, a uh, few people sitting here. That's what got my attention. By the time he was all jetty entering here, a uh, few people started screaming next to me. I got up and ran outside. By the time I got outside, he was here just around making the turn.
0: Hmm.
1: And another witness on Canadian TV, CTV. Again, this happened in Toronto. Cut 14, go.
8: All I seen is this guy is just crumbling and he's going 70, 80 clicks. He's just hitting people one by one, going down. Oh man, it was like it was a nightmare man. I seen I was at I got to young and empress and I seen a lady with her her leg and oh man, it was a gruesome scene. It's really bad out there. I couldn't believe what I seen, man. It was like, oh man, everybody, all these people on the streets getting hit one by one, post office box getting crumbled up on people and one person got dragged on and their blood is all over young and Empress is really bad out there, man. I'm I'm so shaky, I'm still dying from this. I can't believe this is happening. This is like unbelievable. This is so unbelievable. Was he swerving towards people? He just went on the sidewalk. He just started hitting everybody, man. He hit every single person on the sidewalk. Anybody in his way, he would hit. The bus stop, everything got shattered. There was a lady in there that I saw. I just stopped and I looked and I went after it again. All I see is just crumbling up one by one, one by one. Holy God, I've never seen a scene like this in my life, I swear. It's
1: unbelievable. Hard to stomach one more, cut 15, same gentleman, go ahead.
7: Were you driving behind him the entire time? I
8: wasn't right behind him, I was 100 feet away, but I see him crumbling up people, one by one, one by one. I seen a, scroll, a stroller with a baby right about two blocks down, flying in the air. I seen some, oh man, I'm, uh, I can't believe this. This is, oh my god. You saw a baby? I seen a stroller, I didn't see the baby. I saw a stroller it ha- split in half. I seen, I've seen people, uh, the most gruesome scene I've seen was a young, and empress, a woman's leg. Her leg was on once. Oh, man. Oh, it was really bad. It was really bad.
1: Really bad. Well, uh, it is terrorism. Um, they haven't been told a lot about the killer. They're kind of keeping that quiet right now but there's great concern over at msnbc great concern by dean abadalla who apparently works at the daily beast and not too long after this horrific incident took place um this is what msnbc broadcast cut 17 go
9: Uh,
10: Being Muslim myself, of course, and everyone who is Muslim, I can tell you right now, is is hoping sincerely that the person who did this horrible act is not Muslim. Because we know what happens. We we know the result is that there's a backlash to our community. We know that Donald Trump... There's never
1: a backlash to your community. I have no idea what you're talking about, and neither do you. There's never a backlash to your community. Unless you're speaking for terrorists. And this is exactly what I wanted to point out. Listen to the illogic of this. I get on this microphone all the time when an incident like this occurs and we separate the good from the bad. There are good people and there are evil people. This is an evil person who apparently in the name of his religion, we're getting more information. Slaughtered innocent human beings. And this guy on MSNBC says, please, let's hope it's not a Muslim because of the backlash in my community. Can somebody please tell me what the backlash is in his community? There is no backlash in his community. And we're constantly lectured about this backlash. And I don't know what they're talking about, do you? And if it's your community, pal, then you're talking about terrorists, not just the muslim community but terrorists listen to the way you sound go ahead
10: Our likelihood not definitely our likelihood invoke this to try to further a political agenda
1: so the goal is to further a political agenda and what is the political agenda to secure our borders to make sure we know who's coming to our country what is the political agenda It's a national security agenda. This is why, ladies and gentlemen, we'll never be completely safe, but we'll never be as safe as we can be with the left. Because of their position on border security, their position on refugees, and their lack of vetting. Because of their position of painting with a broad stroke, as they racialize everything. Uh, and because of their position on law enforcement and their position on the Second Amendment. This is why we'll never be as safe as we otherwise could be. But for people like Dean Abdallah, who works at the Daily Beast, who comments on MSNBC. This is his grave concern. Why isn't his grave concern, I hope nobody killed was a Muslim, rather than I hope the killer is not a Muslim. But of course, you and I think completely differently. You just heard those two witnesses, the carnage. How horrific this must have been. horrific you're walking down the damn street and some jerk gets in a white van, and speeds apparently he was going 35 to forty miles an hour. rip a body to pieces. He's indiscriminately murdering people, including apparently based on what the witness said, but we don't know exactly who they are yet. Nine people, but maybe a baby? Elderly? Whomever? I'll be right back. Mark
2: lovin'.
1: this country i really believe this gun control followed by knife control followed by van control what kind of van do you have well i've got a van that can carry actually like uh 10 people oh really how many people are in your family there's four of us well you don't need a van that carries 10 people the pollution it causes climate change The environment, the air, the water, and of course it can be used as a weapon. But I want a van that can carry 10 people. What if I'm picking up family from the airport? Well, that's why we have taxis and that's why we have Uber. You don't need a van that big. I know, it sounds insane. Unfortunately, it's not. The day will come. By the way, well, let me do it this way. New Jersey, the great W.A.B.C., how are you?
5: Oh, fine. Thank you for taking my call, Mark. You bet. I um, saw the show last night, um, and I have to say I was very interested in getting to hear what Dr. Pry had to say.
1: This would be Life, Liberty, Live-In on Fox at 10 p.m.
5: Exactly right. and um, Which,
1: by the way, is never advertised on Fox. I'm just <laughs> saying. I, I, I haven't seen it. But anyway, go ahead.
5: Hannity, on Hannity, I guess you could see it. Yes. He does it, but that's about it, I think. Anyway, um, well, my interest is great because we cannot, you know, just watching this this uh, situation with Pompeo, Pompeo mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, we have bigger fish to fry, And for them to be someone, you know, short-sighted and not get uh, a cabinet together, not not work on uh, improving the country. Tell you
1: what, Pat, I want you to hold and listen to the next caller. Can you hold? Can, can you hold? Don't, don't hang up on Pat. I want you to listen to this. Uh, guns, go ahead and pull them up. Let's go to David in Los Angeles. Go ahead, David. You're on, David. I wanted to get to you before we have to break. Go ahead.
7: Hi. I was calling as a liberal. I was objecting to Pompeo's nomination. Because he comes across as a religious fundamentalist. And when we have troops in Islamic uh, land, Uh. it's counterproductive to present that image to people we're trying to influence. Uh,
1: You know what? That's a great point. And I feel Hillary Clinton, same thing, don't you?
7: Nope, not at all.
1: Oh, I would have thought that her as Secretary of State would have calmed down the terrorists in the Middle East. No?
7: Well, I don't think having someone who sees us as a... No, no, no. Stick
1: with me. Stick with me. so hillary clinton isn't a fundamentalist or she is
7: no hillary clinton how about john
1: kerry fundamentalist or not
7: no but Mike. how about
1: pay attention i'm educating you barack obama fundamentalist or not
7: uh not even appropriate but no
1: really and uh and what happened what happened in the middle east while these people were in control Did the terrorists say, wow, they're not religious fundamentalists? We'll take the foot off the gas pedal. Is that what they said? Do you realize how ridiculous you sound? Because you object to evangelical Christians? He's not a religious fundamentalist. He's an evangelical Christian. He has a belief system. He was raised with it. He was taught it. He embraces it. And you happen to disagree with him. So you call him a fundamentalist. Does he want to round people up? Does he want to kill people? Does he want to torture people? Does he want to force them to comply with his religious beliefs? No.
7: Are you going to let me speak?
1: Barely, because so far you've been very, very low on the IQ. Go ahead.
7: Interesting, because he didn't even, wasn't even raised with it. He, was, he converted when he was a West So what?
1: Why is now, that your problem?
7: It's not my problem. Because you're
1: a leftist who has your agenda. And if people don't share your agenda, you're going to put them down. No, you don't. No, it is counterproductive to have someone. It is, has nothing to do with anything. Nothing. You can't show me any evidence that it's counterproductive. None whatsoever. It does it, it? And here's the bottom line, David, that you'll never understand because you're a left wing kook. What Pompeo has first and foremost on his resume is he's pro American, pro American. He wants to build up the United States military. He wants to make sure that we're in a position to defend our country, unlike the prior administration. Mitt Romney's. Promise. And you. Forget about Mitt Romney. You are a religious bigot.
7: A decent nominee. He doesn't
1: I said, yeah, you don't get to choose nominees. Oh, David the liberal decides that it's Mitt Romney. Did you vote for Mitt Romney? No, I didn't. Oh, no, you didn't vote for Mitt Romney. You're a religious bigot.
7: Fundamentalist.
1: Get out of here. Keep talking over me anyway. Who cares? i a religious fundamentalist, you see. There are millions and millions of Christians who believe the way Pompeo does. And on my program, they're not going to be put down. They're not going to be put down. People can have differences of opinion, but they're not going to be put down because they're not left-wing secularists who advance a radical left agenda. And this is part of the Democrat base. You just heard David from, uh, where was he? California somewhere. Los Angeles, I believe. If you don't embrace his attitude, his beliefs then you can't serve. It's that simple. If you're an evangelical Christian, if you're an orthodox... Well, let me ask this. What if Mr. Pompeo was Jewish? According to David's logic, that's not going to help in the Middle East with the, uh, with the terrorists and the Muslims there, is it? No, of course not. But if you're a left-wing, you know, a Democrat, and you support appeasement... Somehow, that's going to make America safer. Anyway, let's go back to Pat in New Jersey. Did you hear that discussion, Pat?
5: Oh, that was thrilling. <laughs> God. But
1: you see the point?
5: Yes, of course. I mean, the, well, you know, we're reduced to having to, to take care of ourselves, unfortunately, because of the... But language. he
1: opposes Pompeo because Pompeo has religious beliefs that do not comport with his beliefs. And therefore, Pompeo is a fundamentalist. My view is that fella is a religious bigot. Hi. And he is intolerant. Pompeo's not trying to impose his views on anybody. He's up for Secretary of State.
5: That's
7: exactly
1: right. All right, Pat. Thank you very much. And by the way, folks, I hope you watched the show last night, too. It was a very, very important show on, on the Fox News channel. On Life, Liberty, and Levin, we had Dr. Uh, Pry on, Peter Pry. And we spent, uh, you know, uninterrupted. You know, solid conversation on the grid, the electrical grid, the challenges, what needs to be done to protect it, the threats that exist, and what can happen if we don't do something about it. Again, a substantive program that I think you would have found very entertaining and bracing if you watched it. I hope you did. Wait until next week. Oh, my goodness. But I'm not going to let you in on it yet because I haven't done the interview. I haven't done the interview. All right, let's try Elliot, Mr. Call Screener. Elliot in Wisconsin, did he hang up? All right, he's gone. No. Are you, oh, you there, Elliot? Go ahead.
7: Hey, I just thought uh, you were talking about um,
11: how the Muslim community doesn't have anything to fear. If-
1: no, I wasn't talking about that at all. The I was responding to what the guy said on MSNBC. I didn't bring it up. I, I w- was addressing what he brought up.
11: Sure. Um, so you don't think that if he does turn out to be Muslim in faith that there will be some nasty rhetoric? Uh,
1: See, here, here's here's how my mind works and yours doesn't. I don't sit around trying to prejudge the ethnicity or the religious beliefs of a mass murder and then hope it's not this one or it is that one. You left this kook stew. You don't really care about human life. You care about... Assigning political roles to one person or another, and you keep exposing yourselves. I'll be back.
0: Mark Levin, the most popular conservative author in America, call in to the Mark Levin Show now at eight seven seven three eight one. Three eight one one.
1: You know, you can hear when these leftists call what bigots they are, how intolerant they are. You and I are very tolerant. I'm extremely tolerant. I don't bother anybody, and I don't want them to bother me in my private and personal life, and I'm sure you're the same way. But Pompeo should be voted down, you see, because, because his Christianity would get in the way of peace in the Middle East. got I say, imagine if he were Jewish with that kind of logic. This is a big liberal Democrat who calls. Then the next guy calls. And they don't want to learn anything. It goes back to my first points earlier in the first hour of the program. You know, you keep getting those invitations in your mailbox. In fact, you may have even already joined. I'm talking about the AARP. You're on their mailing list. I wonder how you got on your mailing list, by the way. And they're relentless with their junk mail. And you thought, hey, it's less than 20 bucks a year to join. They help with insurance plans, travel, other discounts. It'll pay for itself 10 times over. Right? And so you joined. And you joined a liberal lobbying group that spends your hard-earned dollars lobbying against what you believe in and stand for. That's why a decade ago, Dan Weber founded AMAC AMAC is also less than 20 bucks a year. AMAC also helps with insurance plans, travel, and other discounts. And AMAC's card will also pay for itself 10 times over. But when you choose AMAC, your dollars go to support the ideals that you believe in, like protecting our borders with immigration reform, getting rid of Obamacare, and so much more. AMAC gets its voice from you, the individual member. Over a million strong Join right now at amac.us. That's A M A C.us. Chances are you're going to join an organization when you turn 50, so choose wisely. Or get rid of the other one and join the one that represents you. Join AMAC today. Yes, I am a member. That's A M A C.us. AMAC.us. All right. Let's take a call here. See where we are, Fred, Houston, Texas. Sirius Satellite, go.
11: Hello, Mark. Thanks for taking my call.
1: Yes, sir. First, first,
11: uh, first of all, um, thank you very much for that program last night with Doctor Pry. It's, thank you. Uh, rem- remarkably underreported, considering it's just a flat-out existential threat to the country.
1: It really so, is.
11: Yeah, yeah. I was fortunate enough to to, to meet him and see him testify, and mm-hmm. uh, he knows his stuff. I mean, you definitely picked the right person for that.
1: All but, right,
5: I'm thank for you. For two
11: reasons. Um, one concerns is this killing in, in Toronto with the van. Um, I'd heard preliminary reports that this was, you know, he had a Middle Eastern voice. So I guess we'll, we'll find out. Right. But in the event that that's true, um, motive could simply be he's a jihadist. Mm-hmm. Following Sharia law. Absolutely. Which him to kill people because they're unbelievers. It's as simple as that. There, there's your motive. If, in fact... It,
1: well, it could be. We don't know. I don't know much about this guy yet, quite frankly. We'll
11: find out. But the second point concerns these... the Parkland and this, and, and uh, some of these other killings are just so unfortunately occurring now. Um, we're about the same age. What has changed you know, between the time that we were you know, young adults and now? Uh, guns availability? No, I don't think so. But the thing that comes to mind to me is just... You know, Break, this basic breakdown in morality and, and, and religious beliefs, knowing right from wrong, respecting human life, there's something that's changed, and and I think that's where you would look.
1: Well, I think you're right. We've solutions. talked about this here, the culture. I mean, abortion is a right, and it's a choice. People never really think about what an abortion actually is, and they don't really want to. Uh, instead, they argue it's a civil right. A civil right for whom? Certainly not the baby. Uh and you're right, we could go on and on about this. Uh but uh yeah, I think the culture is very, very sick. And the more you move away from faith, it doesn't mean you have to be a particular faith, but the more you move away from from faith, uh this is the sort of thing that happens. And and furthermore, in our country, the more you move away from our founding principles, unalienable rights and natural law and and the golden rule and so forth. Uh, the more likely this is to occur, too. So when you're unmoored from our founding principles or unmoored from faith, and really your faith is now in government, your faith is in redistribution, your faith is in hostility toward the system and so forth and so on, uh, the system breaks up and you get the rule of the jungle. All right, my friend, thanks for your call. The statement released by the office of George H.W. Bush... President Bush was admitted to the Houston Methodist Hospital yesterday morning after contracting an infection that spread to his blood. He's responding to treatments and appears to be recovering. We will issue additional updates as events warrant. Well, we wish him absolutely the best. Let's see. Steve. Oakland, California, the great KSFO, a trucker friend. How are you? Actually, you're not a trucker friend. You're just a friend. Go right ahead.
12: But anyway, tr- Mark, yes. relating to Canada, I don't believe they have the death penalty. So this poor mistreated individual will be subjected to the wonderful benefits of Canadian society to give giving free medical care and free housing and free food for the rest of his life. And probably freedom of religion, if he turns out to be what we all think he is.
1: Well, and the suggestion is in the reporting that that's what he is, that he's uh, a jihadi of sorts. But again, we'll wait and see what, what turns out. All right, my friend. Thank you. Jim in Milwaukee, Sirius Satellite, go. Jim, go ahead. Jim, are you there? All right, let's go to Bob in Milwaukee, the great WISN. Go right ahead, Bob.
3: Oh, hi, Mark. I
1: just wanted to uh, reply about Life, Liberty, and Levin. I'm 10 p.m. Eastern on
7: Fox last night.
1: And by the First way, I want so people of- to know I'm not soliciting these calls. People are calling, and they're just mentioning it, but go right ahead.
7: <laughs> that
3: shuffleboard table you have looks awesome.
1: <clears throat> yeah, it's a lot of fun, actually.
3: It just
7: amazes me
3: how... The power companies don't want their own equipment protected. What is up with that?
1: There's two things, really. They don't want to spend the money, even though the money, when you look at it in the big picture, is relatively inconsequential. And uh, the other is, I think they're deniers. I think they don't believe this sort of thing can happen when, in fact, it can happen. And, and quite easily, quite frankly. That is an attack right. on the uh, electrical grid, and the consequences are unbelievable. All right, my friend, I appreciate it. Let's see here. Well, and I want to go to that caller. Let's move on here a second, shall we? We've been having a computer problems here all day. I have with mine. I want to talk about the media. And this may carry over to the next hour too. two. There is, uh, there is a war on my buddy Sean Hannity. A war. And there is this endless effort to destroy him. And uh, <clears throat> most recently, now they're going after his businesses. I know have no knowledge of his businesses and so forth. But what have you ever heard of media outlets investigating other media personalities to the extent that they get filings in state? It's like Georgia to try and figure out what somebody is doing. These things are funded. They are organized. I'm talking about the attacks. You know, whether it's Rush Limbaugh or Sean Hannity or me or other hosts who are targeted frequently, we have to do everything by the book. We have to cross our T's and dot our I's. I hire an accountant. I hire lawyers as necessary. I try to live within the box. I try not to have too many weird investments. I have none, actually. And because you live with looking over your shoulder. I don't mean you're you're paranoid. You just know you're targeted. Your program is recorded, even though they don't have to record it, because we record it ourselves and we put it up on my website. I don't know Rachel Maddow's investments, do you? I don't know Oprah's investments. She's a multi-billionaire. Do you? I mean, if we start to look at Hollywood's investments, wealthy politicians, you know, their forms are very uh, ambiguous, members of the media. I don't know what Jake Tapper's invested in. Do you? It's pretty incredible. So now with Hannity, we're supposed to know who his lawyers are, And we have to know what his investments are. Is he a politician? No. Is he a public official? No. He's a public figure. So what? So there was this hit job done on him by some blogger. It was picked up by The Guardian, a left-wing paper, then picked up by The Hill, which is fairly left-wing these days. And they just regurgitate this stuff. And then they try and tie him into Ben Carson at HUD. And as I read all this, I said, what does Ben Carson at HUD have to do with anything? Nothing. Now, a lot of times, depending on how much money you have, you turn your money over to people to invest for you because you're not good at it. You really don't know what you're doing. You want to keep an arm's length relationship, whatever it is. Whatever it is. And so he was attacked all weekend. You may not have known this. It started Friday night. Then the Hill newspaper hit him again this morning. The Guardian hit him Sunday Maximum, you know, uh, readership. And this is what Hannity said on his site. It is ironic that I'm being attacked for investing my personal money in communities that badly need such investment in which I am sure those attacking me have not invested their money. The fact is these are investments that I do not individually select, control, or know the details about. Except that obviously I believe in putting my money to work in communities that otherwise struggle to receive such support. I would say this is, again, I don't know the specifics, but it's akin to having a mutual fund. Or a group of people, maybe a small group of people, where you give your money and they decide how best to invest it. I've never discussed with anybody at HUD the original loans that were obtained in the Obama years. nor the subsequent refinance of such loans as they are a private matter. I had no role in or responsibility for any HUD involvement in any of these investments. I can say that every rigorous process and strict standard of improvement requirements were followed. All were met, fulfilled, and inspected. The LLCs, these are companies that are set up legally, are real companies that spend real investment money on real properties. It's incredible that he even has to do any of this, isn't it? And he had to do a follow-up, too, to explain there's this company over here and this company over here, and I really have nothing to do. Then they said, well, you had one of these guys on, you know, on your show, hawking him and his investments. That's not what he did at all. And it's out there in audio for everyone to hear. So let me ask you a question. Media Matters, MoveOn.org. Think progress, these so-called reporters, The Guardian, the whole newspaper, bloggers. First, they seek to boycott him in hopes of forcing Fox to drop his show. Then they trash him, claiming he should have revealed that among his lawyers is this guy, Michael Cohen, even though there's some serious question over that relationship in terms of its substance. Now they're going over his, after his businesses. This is Saul Alinsky, Marxist tactics. That's what they are. By the media and by others. And they want to take Hannity down simply because he gets ratings. He's the number one host on the Fox News channel. He disagrees with them. He fights back like his friend the president, and they have no stomach for it. And you might say, well, that's one guy, who cares? Look how they went after Ingram. They tried to take her out. And Tucker Carlson will have his day, as we all do. Look how they tried to take Rush out over and over and over again. If the left had their way, Rush would be gone, Hannity would be gone, talk radio would be gone, Fox would be gone. They'd all be gone. I'll be right back. Mark Lubin. You know, ladies and gentlemen, sure, you could have harsh treatment to look younger. You could have surgery, Botox, all kinds of weird stuff. But why would you do that? Listen to Joanne from Connecticut. She wrote, My husband looks 10 years younger using Genesil. He saw results the first day he used it. I have also had remarkable results. Can't be without it. Now imagine the bags and puffiness under your eyes gone. And watch those sagging, droopy eyelids disappear. That's years off your appearance. Genesil by Chamonix is an easy choice. Genesal contains natural ingredients for incredible results safely and quickly. It's as simple as that. In fact, listen to this. With immediate effects, you'll see results like Joanne's in as little as 12 hours or your money back, guaranteed. And from now until Mother's Day, which is soon, order Genesal and you can try Chamonix's brand new Genesal Eyelid Lift for droopy, sagging eyelids Absolutely free. Order now and Chaminade will include a surprise luxury gift. Also absolutely free. Here's what you do. Go to Genesel.com. Genesel.com. Better yet, toll free nine number 800-SKIN-604-800-SKIN-604. Call now and express shipping is also free. Call 800-SKIN-604-800-SKIN-604 or visit Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. All right, Guy, Newburgh, Indiana, the great WGBF. Go. Thank you, Mark, for taking my call. You got uh, it. I really I
12: really appreciate when you talk about the Constitution, and I always learn something when you do that. Uh, sad to Thank say, you. I'm not a, a uh, very studied scholar in that area, but it's always interesting to me. Um, with all the talk from progressives and others about, the Constitution is outdated, that we don't need it anymore, that, all oh, we can just do away with certain amendments. Um, I, they don't realize that the framers, when they wrote this, it wasn't just a how-to on how to do government. Uh, they took into account human nature because they understood human nature,
3: mm-hmm.
12: having just come from a tyrannical government that they were under, and they knew that tyranny is very close. It doesn't take much to tip over into tyranny, or it doesn't take much to tip over into allowing mob rule. Mm -hmm. So they built in a lot of the safeguards because they understood human nature and that over time these things can happen very, you know, sneak up on us. Well, Uh, do
1: you think they've happened? Pardon? Do you think they've happened?
12: Oh, I I think there's a lot that's been happening that has kept kept pushing us toward this um, big government state um uh, that a lot of do you people think, think the the breadth
1: and width and depth of the federal government is uh, supported in the Constitution?
12: oh n- not by any means, no, mm-hmm. not at all uh, we sadly, we as voters have kept voting in people who allowed this to happen who have pushed for it
1: But we even vote for people who say they will fight it and then they turn on us.
12: I know they always do that they say i 'm going to go to Washington and fight for you, yeah. And then you don't hear from them until the next cycle comes through.
1: All right, my friend. We got one powerful hour left. Don't miss it. I'll be right back.
0: from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building. We've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin.
1: Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here in our final hour. Our number eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. Give a little bit more information on what took place in Toronto. This is from ABC News. Uh, the driver is under arrest. He killed nine people and injured 16 others. That's see. He's identified as Alek, A-L-E-E-K, Manassian, M-I-N-A-S-S-I-A-N, 25. Uh, the Canadian government or law enforcement says no uh, apparent link to... Islamic forces and that sort of thing. The attack started at Yonge Street and Finch Avenue, police said. The suspect drove south for nearly 1.5 miles, hitting more people at Yonge Street and Shepherd Avenue and so forth. He rented a rider truck, a white van. It's a van. Uh, That's what he did. Hitting people one by one. So now you know his name. And there's no apparent link, according to uh, law enforcement sources, to the media, to jihadism and so forth and so on. We'll learn more as time goes on. We'll learn more as time goes on. Um, and uh, see what the Canadians do about this. They do not have the death penalty. That's part of the problem. Here, I want you to listen a little bit, if you will, to Peter Pry. Peter Pry was on Life, Liberty, and Levin last night. That's not why I want you to listen to him. I want you to listen to him because he's important. And he's important because he and a handful of others are basically out there talking about these threats that we face to our electrical grid, whether it's through cyber warfare uh, other forms of sabotage, um, a nuclear blast in our atmosphere targeting the United States. And that could, uh, there could be a, bla- a, a, a properly positioned uh, missile firing right off our coast, which the North Koreans are capable of. Uh, it could be a satellite armed with a nuclear warhead that's blown up and so forth. But the point is it would fry our electrical grid. And I can't do the whole show here on my radio show, but uh, it's online. You might want to check it out. But here he was last night. Cut 18, go. So what are the different scenarios out there? I'm sure there are many in which a country might want to shut down our electrical grid. Uh, North Korea could
13: uh, shut down our grid by an EMP attack off a satellite. They, in fact, have two satellites orbiting over this country as we speak that passed over us several times a day that are at the optimum altitude to evade our national missile defenses and to make an EMP field that would cover North America. How would they make an EMP field? They would detonate the satellite when it's over the center of the country and the field, you know, would pro- it propagates from the location of the warhead to the, to the line of sight. So there'd have to be a satellite with a warhead? There'd have to be a satellite with a warhead. Can they do that? They could. They could. And we're not sure that these satellites are not already nuclear armed. Uh, the EMP Commission is very concerned that they may be. And we have recommended that these satellites be shot down because the risk to the country is just too great to take take the chance. They could do it with an ICBM, although... uh our national missile defenses you know would have a reasonable chance of intercepting the ICBM.
1: Now if the North Koreans can do that with satellites I assume the Chinese and the Russians are far ahead of them and they could
13: easily do that. Certainly and in fact uh, Vladimir Putin has actually threatened that recently about doing what's called launching an ICBM on a south polar trajectory which is the trajectory that North Korean satellites f- fly on a south polar trajectory. Come now over. why would they do it that way as because, opposed to this way? Because we don't have any ballistic missile early warning radars facing south and we don't have any interceptors facing south we're blind and defenseless in that is direction that? because during the cold war we assumed the attacks would come from the soviet union over the north pole which a is the shortest shot. distance yeah. it's the shortest distance to our missile fields and our and our bomber bases and uh, uh, you know and so unfortunately we have left that flank unprotected uh, there are ideas and recommendations we've made for trying to in a hurry uh, close this this gap in our defenses
1: you know, I'm live now and I'm I'm really amazed at how little attention this receives other than on this show on Levin TV and now my Sean Fox it just is appalling to me. And he mentioned if for 2 or 3 billion dollars we could protect our electrical grid. So if 1.5 trillion dollars they want to spend both parties on infrastructure. They can't spend 2 or 3 billion dollars on this. This is national security. I want you to think what it would be like without electricity for a year or two. Most of us wouldn't survive because you can't just bring it up when these generators are destroyed. He explained during the course of the program with about 2,000 of these generators on the grid. The world produces 200 a year and we import most of these generators from overseas, including from Germany and South Korea. So you can see, if half of our generators are knocked out, or a third of them, or all of them, it would be impossible to bring the system back. And he pointed out, we have in this country, for 320-some million people, a 30-day food supply in the food chain. 30 days. That's it. And, of course, your vehicles wouldn't work because many of them have electronics. Plus, you wouldn't be able to get gasoline because the gas pump operates on electricity and there's a domino effect. You wouldn't be able to get your money out of an ATM machine. He said the water systems, the sewer systems would immediately come to a halt because they all operate off of electricity. So think about these things, and it's relatively easy to take out the electrical grid. He also pointed out there's basically three regional grids, and one of them is Texas for some reason. Texas has its own. They're controlled by the local companies working together, and uh, how about the Obama administration? Versus the Trump administration. The Obama administration interested? How about the Trump administration? Cut nineteen, go. If the, if the Federal Government rise. said this is part of infrastructure, you know they want to spend trillion and a half dollars on infrastructure. A trillion and a half. You're reading my mind. Okay. And if they and we haven't talked about this. And no. if they and that they say, you know what, let's put two or three billion dollars aside for this.
13: Exactly. That's one of the EMP Commission's recommendations in uh, in, in, in the reports that we've uh, uh, that we've put forward in, in our advice when we have uh, when we have, we have briefed the National Security Council that EMP protection should be made part of the infrastructure renewal program. And one of the things that we need is an executive agent at the level of the White House, somebody responsible for protecting the national grid and the other critical infrastructures, too, from EMP, cyber, from all these threats we've been talking about. Because the chief problem is nobody is in charge of protecting the critical infrastructures. We've never thought about that. So what would we do for 2 or $3 billion? We would install uh, Faraday cages and blocking devices and uh, surge arresters on on the transformers. For example, you can put a trans, uh, surge arrester on the transformer, just like you've got a surge arrester on your personal computer to protect it from lightning. You can have a specially designed surge arrester that will protect against lightning, against nuclear EMP, against the EMP from the uh, from the sun. And if had we done so, had we done so, it would protect you against all of these worst case scenarios, not just nuclear EMP and cyber, but also s- severe weather. Light. Like hurricanes, uh, millions of people or hundreds of thousands of people who were made homeless for months by Hurricane Sandley would have been able to go home earlier uh, if the electric grid had been hardened against nuclear AMP because it would have been able to survive the overvoltages that happened during Hurricane Sandy as a result of high power lines getting knocked down and transformers and skaters being damaged. If you can survive the worst threat, the nuclear AMP attack, you'll be able to come back much more quickly from any of these uh... any of these lesser threats so it's not just for the rare you know uh... exotic scenario of a terrorist nuclear mp attack it would it would improve the security of american people from things that happen every year tornadoes hurricanes ice storms that cause uh, that cause blackouts and you don't have to be a physicist to see the grid is at risk You know, uh... if you just look at the history of of of, of blackouts and our lack the long recovery times that are required after there's these hurricanes uh, you can see there's something long look at Puerto Rico you know uh, you know Puerto Rico is take, it's still not recovered mm-hmm. as, a resu- uh, as a result of the uh, hurricane that went through there you know clearly if if, uh, if something like Puerto Rico is going to absorb all the emergency resources of the continental United States to get its recovery we're going to be in huge trouble if a nuclear EMP takes down the the, na- the national That's grid incredible. we've got to do better
1: and by the way, it doesn't even have to be a nuclear EMP. As I say, it can be a cyber attack. And the Russians have been poking around in our system for some time, trying to figure out exactly how to do this, short of firing off a nuclear missile or blowing one above uh, the United the continental United States in our atmosphere. And, of course, the North Koreans and the Iranians. This is why it's so crucial the Iranians not get ICBMs with nuclear tips on them, and why the Iran deal is such a disaster, and circling back to the first hour and why when I watch these people on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, these senators, they're just not up to the job, they're not up to the task, they're political through and through and left-wing through and through. But that was a very, very important program, and we're going to have a very important one This coming Sunday, too, with an individual many of you may not have heard of before, and I'll talk about it more later in the week, but absolutely fascinating. Remember what I said I was going to do? I'm going to bring individuals on the program, some of whom you will know, some of whom are famous, some of whom are not, but all of them are consequential. All of them have an impact or could have an impact on society. And that's why Peter Pry was there. He was superb. And that's why my next guest next Sunday will be there, too. We're going to have additional people. I'm not mentioning them because I want to keep it as exclusive as I can, Uh, many of whom you have heard of before, but who are also very consequential. I'll be right back.
2: Mark Levin.
1: You know, a buddy of mine just wrote me, he's a really good guy, he says, you know, it always struck me as gross negligence on the part of our politicians and our utility providers to render us so vulnerable to these EMP potential attacks. And he's right. All right, I'll let you know. My guest, this coming Sunday, I'll let you Google him, okay? His name is David Berlinski. B E R L I N S K I. Now, check that out. I came across this gentleman when I looked at something on YouTube that he had said. And absolutely compelling. Absolutely compelling. He's not a terribly religious man. He, he he says he's a secular Jewish person. But he's like a scientific genius. That was fine. But then he makes the case that there really is no reason to accept the so-called scientific consensus on the theory of evolution. Says so it's hogwash whether you believe that whether there's a God or not, his point is the theory of evolution doesn't stand up against standard scientific analysis. And he goes through it, and it's absolute genius. So again, wherever you come down on this, I said, this gentleman I need to talk to. This gentleman I need to talk to. And he wrote a great book that I just read, called The Devil's Delusion. So check it out. I want to bring these great minds to the nation. And uh, he's born in America, lived in America. His uh, parents fled uh, Vichy, uh, France, and he has moved back to France where he lives, but he's flying in to do the program. So I uh, hope you'll check it out. It's, he is absolutely brilliant. And I don't say that about a lot of people, do I? Now, the subtitle of this book, The Devil's Delusion, is Atheism and Its Scientific Pretensions. <laughs> so he takes them on. He's saying, you haven't disproved whether there's a God, you haven't proved whether there's a God, but he said, what you haven't proven is your so-called scientific evolution theory that I know you haven't demonstrated. And so he picks it to pieces. And so I thought you'd want to hear this. He's not a pastor. He's not a rabbi. He's not a preacher of any kind. He just takes the so-called science and looks at it and breaks it down. That's what he does. And as I say, it was absolutely uh, brilliant. So uh, we'll talk about that and other things, too. And other things, too. We also have some people who are well-known in the culture who we'll be bringing on, too. Kevin, Las Vegas, Nevada. Go. Uh, thank you for taking my call, Mr. Levin.
11: Um, about four years ago, I was at the University of Wisconsin. I had to take a project paper and write about stuff that was curious. And I did mine on the Hold on.
1: I'm not understanding. You had to talk about what?
11: I had a, 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 talk about something that, that was a major factor in people's life. And so I wrote about the power distribution system. And our problem is this country we have no reserves. We, we, we don't even do a simple maintenance on our power line. And if just one, one of our major transformers went down, it would take three months to get a backup in there. Cause we have nothing for it.
1: Yeah. Extraordinarily vulnerable. Extraordinary, vulnerable. You're no question about it, and I thought it was important to address that. All right, Kevin. Thank you, my friend. Sean, Oregon, on the Mark Levin app. Go.
7: Hey, Mark. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I've I've listened to you since I was seventeen. I'm 23 now, so I've, I'm. Thank a you, fan.
1: Thank you, buddy. Uh, Go ahead.
7: Anyway, the the reason I'm calling is I wanted to talk about. Um, the,
1: I, All right, thanks I, for your call. I dunno I don't know what, what's going on there. But keep listening. We got many years left. I'm sorry. Where did he call from? Okay. Sean was very nervous. Uh call next time, Sean, seriously. And don't be so nervous. We want to hear what you have to say. I'll be right back.
0: Constitution Man, Mark Levin, calling now at 877-381-3811.
1: You know, it seems like every day there's another story about technology, Facebook this, Amazon that, on and on. Cyber hackers, we were just talking about this, are always looking for a way in, trying to use technology to make an easy profit of folks like you and me. Now. This doesn't mean we should be scared of technology. I can't imagine giving it up. Can you? But we need to be smart and protect ourselves. The tech companies aren't going to do it. It's up to us. It's up to each of you. So don't put it off another second. Get protected right now. Now, I searched for the very best in identity protection, and I found my ID care. My ID Care covers you for the nine types of identity theft for just 10 bucks a month, and they provide a 100% identity recovery guarantee or your money back. Now, you just can't find this kind of protection anywhere else. They used to just handle major corporations, and now they cover people like us. So look, stop waiting and hoping. You need protection, and you need My ID Care. Learn more and get 15% off at myidcare.com mark. It's that simple. myidcare.com mark. Now, if you're near a phone, give them a call. 866-334-3084. That's 866-334-3084. Once again, 866-334-3084 or myidcare.com mark. It's that simple. And I hope you jump in and protect yourselves the way I have. All right, let's see what's cooking. Ed, Kansas City, Missouri, the Great KCMO, go. Yes, Ed, go. Let's go to Michael in Philadelphia, the Great WNTP, go.
2: Hey, good morning, Mark, or good evening, actually. Um, yes, yes. So well, it's been morning somewhere. Um, a heritage foundation member and confederation of states and all that, and uh, as uh, I guess I
1: kind of want to ask convention, convention of states, confederation convention was a whole other states, yeah. thing. Yeah.
2: Thank you. Um, as a, I guess we say we're the silent majority, but um, as a conservative and constitutional guy, uh, being in the silent majority, the the left and the progressive left seem to be out in the open combating us. We face it, and and every system as we turn left or right and and we go through our lives we see how the left is watering down the traditional uh parts of america that that Mm -hmm. that we fought for and we and we respect and that we cherish and is there any way other than signing up for petitions or i mean obviously voting but uh for us to come out and 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 be as open and as aggressive as the progressive left we get labeled certain things. Uh, I just want to know your thoughts on that.
1: I'm not sure the question. Is there any way to do what? The
2: question is, there anything that, that as, as a silent majority or as a, because as a, they're 51% or 40%? Well,
1: okay, I don't know if we're in the majority anymore or not. Uh, a lot of us aren't silent. Well, you just have the guts to speak out. I mean, I get behind a microphone and a TV camera every day, and I speak out. And people can do that, too. I didn't always have a microphone and a TV camera, and I always spoke out, whether it was in the classroom or with uh, liberal members of the family or neighbors or whatever. Um, if you don't have the guts to speak out, then uh, then I don't know where we go. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, uh, a good point. Yep. If 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 we aren't going to speak out, we aren't going to engage, we aren't going to bring up our principles, we aren't going to defend people we support— then who the hell is? So, uh, and you can make a difference at the local level. You can make a difference in your own household with your own kids. You can make a difference in your own neighborhood. I mean, I walk down the street now and then, and there's a liberal lawyer there, and he's nice enough, but he'll take a shot now and then, and I'll fire back. I'm talking about verbally, of course. All right, sure. All right, Michael, where in Philly are you, sir?
2: Uh, Bucks County.
1: Bucks County, that's a beautiful, is it still a beautiful county? Yes. But the liberal hordes are moving in.
2: We'll pay enough in taxes to keep it that way.
1: Well, of course, but the liberal hordes are moving in. They escape the disasters that they create, and they move to the other areas. They're much like locusts, I say, aren't they? (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, All right, buddy. Appreciate it. Take care. You too. Let's continue. Ravi, San Diego, California, on the Mark Levin app. Go.
10: Hi, Mark Levin. Uh, hi, Mark. Sorry. Uh, thank you very much for having Dr. Pry on yesterday on your Fox show. You I, bet. I, I listened to the whole thing, and it and was very, uh, very educational, very important. Um, so, uh, my, my basic point is that uh, with Republicans in control of the Senate and the House uh, and the White House, uh, it's very important that they pass some uh, Congress and uh, passes some very meaningful legislation that would protect uh, the, uh, the electric grid from solar and man-made EMP. Uh, uh, Let me ask uh, you something, Robbie. Yeah. yeah,
1: we spend over four trillion dollars a year, and I said this during the program. We waste the GAO estimates between 125 to 250 billion dollars a year. I can't, they can't find two to three billion dollars is what uh, is what Doctor Price says. Two to three billion dollars in infrastructure, quote unquote, spending. Does it all have to go to pork barrel spending in order to harden up the grid? Why is that a problem?
10: Well, the, the obvious answer is that it's not a problem. And, and if there was a, even a small amount of will among uh, leadership in, uh, in the Senate and the House, I think there would be something passed. There was a, a bill called the Shield Act in 2013 uh, by Trent, uh, that was introduced by Trent Franks, That um, but it never, made it, it never made any progress. It never made it to a vote. And that was a meaningful bill. There, there was a bill that was a uh, SEPA. Uh, that uh, that was uh, passed in uh, 2000, end of 2016. That w- basically requires educating uh, certain uh, certain arms of the government about the EMP threat, but not actually doing anything substantial. Um, I understand
1: you from. wrote an excellent piece about uh, aspects of this on the solar grid in uh, American Thinker, correct?
10: Yeah, and uh, uh, there was uh, an article uh, from last August: uh, so- solar superstorms in the U.S. electric grid. Mm-hmm. Uh, Basically, goes into uh, there's a 12 percent chance of any in any in any, in any given decade of a uh, of a major solar superstorm on the. And, and
1: by the way, as Dr. Pry pointed out, and I'm sure you have, it actually did occur in the in the last in the century before last. But because you know electricity wasn't ubiquitous the way it is today, uh, the the effects were limited. But it did occur.
10: Yeah, that's right. It, it occurred in 1859, and like Dr. Pry, uh, you know, spoke about it the effects the on society nowadays would be so much different than then, would be right. uh, absolutely uh, you know disastrous. So, uh, spending three billion dollars when you mentioned there's four trillion dollars spent, and that they don't do it. And and, and I, just one point I wanted to make was that uh, with uh, Nurka, um, the, the, the utilities should uh, be, there should be recognition private utilities that the government would be spending the money to uh, protect the grid, and therefore they would not have to spend any of their own money. To protect to protect the red so
1: Alright, my friend. Uh, Alright, well. we're getting in the weeds, but I really appreciate it. Excellent call. Very, very good call. All right, here's what I want to do. I want to let's see here. I have been struggling with this a little bit. Remember Ed Schultz? Ed the Red? He was on the uh, MSLSD, real leftist. Before he was he was a conservative, and then he moved hard left. He's now on Russian TV or RT TV. And he was interviewed on a podcast by Jamie Weinstein, who's a good guy, over at NRO. And I want you to listen to this about MSLSD. Cut 10, go.
9: I go to Bernie Sanders' house that afternoon, an interview in the backyard, about a 15-minute interview... The grandkids are running around. It's a big day for the Sanders family. He's going to announce that he's running for president. We're going to carry it live later on in the day, and we're going to. And run by that he means
1: up, on MSNBC. He's going to cover it live. Go ahead.
9: With Bernie, three thousand people are there on Lake Champagne. It's five minutes to air, and I get a phone call from Phil Griffin.
1: Now, Phil Griffin is the exec in charge of MSNBC. Go ahead.
9: We're not covering this. I said, Phil, Bernie Sanders is announcing he's running for president. He's going to be a president. I don't care. You're not covering this. And it got rather contentious. We're covering Bernie Sanders live. We're coordinated with his campaign. And I'm told five minutes before, you're not covering Bernie Sanders. Now, let me give you the opinion. I think the Clintons were connected to Andy Lack.
1: Andy Lack being the head of NBC News. Go ahead
9: at the hip. I think that they didn't want anybody in their prime time or anywhere in their lineup supporting Bernie Sanders. I think that they were in the tank for Hillary Clinton and I think it was managed and 45 days later I was out at MSNBC.
1: No, I don't know the truth of this but it sounds believable, sounds credible. Cut 11, go.
9: There was more oversight and more Direction given to me on content at MSNBC than there ever has been here at RT. <laughs>
1: and I <laughs> think. RT Russian TV. More direction from MSNBC than there's ever been uh, at the Kremlin's network. Go ahead.
9: It's very sad that that story is not getting out. I think it's. Uh, Just did. Many times I was told what to lead with on MSNBC. Many times I was told what I was not going to do, and I've got a story that had I not been involved in it, I would have never believed it. Uh, And Phil Griffin, who I consider a friend to this day, was was a watchdog, far more than anything I am exposed to here at RT America.
1: (laughs) RT America. Well, then. So, MSLSD uh, is more of a censorship operation than Russian TV America, according to uh, Schultz. And you know what? It wouldn't surprise me. We'll be right back.
2: Much love in.
1: You know, you can help put a pocket copy of the Constitution in the hands of every public high school and middle school student in the country. Why wouldn't you want to help with that effort, right? Especially since Hillsdale College is spearheading this ambitious project. Many of you have taken one of Hillsdale College's free online courses on the Constitution, Economics, History, and Freedom. Others have attended the free regional events Hillsdale sponsors around the country. Some of you benefit from Hillsdale's free work with charter schools. Now, Hill still does these things as part of their mission to help all Americans pursue truth and defend liberty. To help Americans become better citizens. To preserve freedom. Now they're reaching out to public schools by sending a copy of the Constitution and Declaration of Independence to every middle and high public school principal in America. Along with an offer to provide free copies for every student. That'll be good to see how that turns out, right? So... Learn how you can help in this historic effort to reach America's youth with the truth and how you can get your own copy of Hillsdale's Pocket Constitution to keep or give away at levinforhillsdale.com levinforhillsdale.com l-e-v-i-n forhillsdale.com There is a uh, journalist, so-called, at the New York Slimes called Maggie Haberman. And the president has pointed out calls her a third-rate reporter known as a crooked Hillary flunky who I don't speak to and have nothing to do with. They're going out of their way to destroy Michael Cohen and his relationship with me in the hope that he will flip. He says they use non-existent sources and a drunk, drugged-up loser who hates Michael, a fine person with a wonderful family. Michael's a businessman for his own account, lawyer who I have always liked and respected, most people will flip, if the government lets them out of trouble, even if it means lying or making up stories. Sorry, I don't see Michael doing that, despite the horrible witch hunt and the dishonest media. So people in the media have come to Haberman's defense, saying she's an outstanding reporter. I mean, after all, she works for the Holocaust-denying New York Times. But is she? As pointed out by Epic Times... Haberman's cozy relationship with the Clinton campaign was exposed in internal emails published by WikiLeaks. Now, look, I'm not a WikiLeaks fan, but they're out there. There's no avoiding them. In a January 2015 email, Nick Merrill, the communications director for the Clinton campaign, wrote that the campaign has a, quote, very good relationship with Maggie Haberman a Politico over the last year. That's where she worked at one point. We've had her tee up stories for us before and have never been disappointed, Merrill continues. Quote, while we should have a larger conversation in the future about a broader strategy for re-engaging the beat press that covers Hillary, for this we think we can achieve our objective and do the most shaping by going to Maggie. Maggie. The email goes on to explain which information should be shared on background and what should be shared on the record, while outlining how the story will help the campaign, that is the Clinton campaign, shape its message. The campaign's goal was to induce Haberman to write a story that demonstrated how thorough and transparent Clinton was in her decision-making process. Haberman went on to publish two stories on February 20 and 27. Both articles are nuanced and include a dose of criticism, but ultimately achieved the campaign's goals. Haberman, remember this Maggie Haberman of the New York Times, was also among 38 reporters and media personalities who accepted an invitation to a ritzy, completely off-the-record dinner hosted by the Clinton campaign on April 10, 2015, according to another email. The campaign's goal for the dinner was to frame Clinton's message in the race, according to the event memo. Now, the New York Times article that triggered the president's criticism delved into the details of his relationship with Cohen using both anonymous and on-the-record sources. Haberman also cited unnamed sources in reporting on the details of an April 9 raid ...of Cohen's offices. Haberman responded to Trump's tweets... ...with several messages of her own. In one point, in one she pointed out... ...that Trump misspelled her last name. Oh, who cares? How many corrections does the New York Times spit out? In another, she shared a critical anecdote... ...from her reporting on the Cohen story. The New York Times responded to say... ...that they are extremely proud of Haberman... ...and pointed out that she won a Pulitzer Prize... ...as part of a team reporting on Russian interference... ...in 2016... Ah, who cares? Pulitzer Prize. That's another uh, inside operation. Very cloistered operation. I mean, look at this idiot Tom Friedman. I think he has three or four Pulitzer Prizes. Do they come any dumber than that guy when it comes to the Middle East? In Israel in particular? No. He was lavishing praise all over China, if you read my book, Liberty and Tyranny. Basically wishing that we had a system akin to theirs so we could get things done Guy wins three or four Pulitzer prizes. Well, I'm handing out the Putts of the Year prize. He gets one of those. And Maggie, Maggie Everman, in your heart, you know he's right. In your heart, you know Donald Trump is right in his characterization of you. You know who your sources are. You know how you work them. And you know your politics. After all, you worked for Politico before you worked for the New York Slimes. And it's embarrassing to work for the New York Slimes. It's, it's humiliating. The Holocaust denying New York slimes that tried to downplay the Holocaust. I've explained this over and over again. How is that the paper of record? I ask you, Jake Tapper, how is the New York slimes the paper of record? I ask Wolf Blitz, how is it the paper of record? I ask the Conga line of malcontents and miscreants over there at MSLSD. Chris Matthews, when you're not slobbering, how was the New York Slimes the record when it was downplaying the Holocaust? Can anybody answer that? Of course not. But don't worry, Maggie Haberman works for them. And despite her cozy relationship with the Clinton campaign, she's a great journalist. I know this because CNN came to her defense immediately. But in fact, Trump's right. And that's why they hate him. When he calls out these reporters, by, hey, look at this, he's attacking the First Amendment. No, he's not. He's telling the truth about you, Maggie. If that is your name. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. We have a splendid Levin TV tonight. I hope you'll check it out. I just finished it. Levin TV. See you tomorrow.